0: listening to the Gesher podcast, the place where the Jewish and evangelical Christian communities come together to talk about the things that matter. I'm your host, Ty Perry, ministry representative for the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry here in sunny Las Vegas, Nevada. Thanks for joining me. The old adage still holds, a picture is indeed worth a thousand words, but moving pictures are arguably worth even more. And in Las Vegas, film is used to tell a myriad of stories about the Jewish community here and abroad. The Las Vegas Jewish Film Festival was founded in 2001. Its mission then and now is to provide inclusive, educational, and cultural outreach to the entire Jewish and non-Jewish Las Vegas communities. It does this through the lens of Jewish content cinema, with a focus on identity, history, and culture to promote solidarity with Israel and remembrance of the Holocaust. Joining me today is the founder and director of the Las Vegas Jewish Film Festival, Joshua Abbey. Josh, welcome to the Gesher Podcast. Hello, Ty, and thank Thank you for inviting me. Josh, um, I've known you for a few years now, and uh, your influence in the Jewish community and in the arts community is well known here in Las Vegas. Um, But I want you to tell me a little bit of your background. How did you uh, become interested in the arts and, and film specifically? Well my father is um, an author and a writer. no longer living but uh,
1: was very successful. His name was Edward Abbey. He was a naturalist and wrote about protecting the environment um, long time ago and uh, was sort of a a beacon to uh, make people more aware of some of the issues we're facing today. My mother uh, is a very accomplished Visual artist who taught at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas for 22 years. Uh, she's a painter and a sculptor. So my upbringing was immersed in the arts, of course. Um, and uh, we lived back east uh, when I went to grade school. Uh, spent my summers in the Southwest because my father worked as a park ranger before I became uh, successful as a writer. So I had the best of both worlds. You know the culture of New York and the beauty of the Southwest. And uh, my individual foray into the arts began when we relocated to Las Vegas, which was a very long time ago in 1965. Uh, My mother assessed my personality and uh, decided that I belonged on the stage. So she uh, got me into a group of um, students faculty members at the university and and I became part of a children's theater repertory company that was uh, available then and just embraced it and so theater was my passion for most of my life that actually led me to move to New York City after I graduated UNLV in theater arts. Uh, There I worked in Original, what I would call experimental theater, which used multimedia elements such as film and music and theater um, to just explore new ground and new forms of expression. And through that, I started becoming more and more fascinated with film, which I saw as really the most modern art form, a tremendously collaborative art form that brought so many different creative elements together, you know, to produce magic, you know, which I mean, as anyone who loves cinema can contest to, there's just nothing quite like it. It's like bringing dreams into reality and our own worlds through imagination. The um, genesis then brought me to Los Angeles, where I went to the American, I was accepted to the American Film Institute, uh, which is a very preeminent school for uh, filmmakers, aspiring filmmakers. Uh, I was accepted into the producing program and um, after graduating there I sort of had a choice to go into the industry um, or come back home to Las Vegas and work here to to start to develop um, my contributions to the cultural infrastructure of the community. being as how I had lived in New York City for 10 years and Los Angeles for five years, I really missed you know, the open space of the desert. My family was here. So that was the choice I made in 1993. I came when the Summerlin Library Performing Arts Center had just been built. And I was the first program director for that facility. And that's where I did my very first film festival, which was entitled the Las Vegas Literary Film Festival because i was in a library and i wanted to you know promote um, how libraries in traditional what they call traditional library services could embrace the arts to enhance and promote their mission i showed films that were adapted from literature and i invited um, the authors of the uh, written works to uh, have discussions with the screenwriters who did the adaptation of those works and we did Really, really interesting uh, films such as uh, Chaim Potok's *The Chosen*, and Chaim Potok, when he was alive, actually came and was participated in that festival, uh, and that um, just got me on the way. And and jump forward a little bit uh, to I guess well, I moved back to Los Angeles in '93, and then in '90. 95, 96, I worked for the Jewish community, the Jewish Federation, as their program director. And in 98, uh, on the strength of the Literary Film Festival, which only had the one event, uh, one year, people approached me and wanted me to start an international film festival for Las Vegas. And I uh, created the first CineVegas Film Festival, which was a huge, huge splash. It um, was housed at the um, Beth Valley's Hotel in the main showroom. That was the primary venue. Uh, We had a lot of big name celebrities come and participate in it. And the highlight was the world premiere of Paramount Pictures' Star Trek Insurrection, which brought all of Hollywood royalty because the Star Trek franchise was a, you know, quite popular uh, uh, event in those days. As, I mean, it still is, but at that time it was a really big deal. And uh, we also had the uh, Quark Bar and the Star Trek experience at the Hilton, not far away. Which, of course, that's where the uh, the wrap party for the film festival, the opening night party, actually uh, took place. But it was, uh, you know, really uh, an extraordinary experience that taught me a lot about the mechanics of of producing a film festival. And I just. Went from there to specialize in focusing on my Jewish heritage and trying to use um, the film festival um, abilities that I had accrued to help promote Jewish continuity um, through the arts and in particular through the film festival. So long story coming to fruition in 2001, uh, a woman named Betsy Cowan, uh, who was my partner at the time, and I started the Jewish Film Festival here. The original um, uh, presentations were at the Suncoast in Summerlin as the um, the theaters were, um, those were the century theaters back then. And they uh, donated the space to us to, you know, get our traction, get our our legs stable as it were. And in the beginning, I invited different Jewish organizations and synagogues to present their own film. So that they could market uh that to their membership or constituents they also got to keep 50 percent of the sales of the tickets so they were motivated you know as well and that model and template worked quite well for for a while um another theme i explored was i invited directors of other jewish film festivals to come here and present a film of their choosing to let them curate the festival often Film they thought was really important that didn't get the attention or focus that it deserved, uh, and of course those were all you know being selected by film festival directors, really really high quality uh, offerings. And I also knew that they could share with our community how Jewish film festivals work and why they were important, you know, and just build you know greater support here. Um, when the Allison School was uh, completed. And I'm going to be a little bit hesitant on the initial date. I believe it was 2006 or seven, maybe 2008. Um, Victor Shaltiel, uh, along with Sheldon Adelson, who you know, were the key movers who you know, financed the uh, construction of that extraordinary facility, uh, had wanted the film festival to make the school there. It's home and the actual auditorium, the Performing Arts Center there was designed in the stadium style to uh, for that purpose, you know, to you know, perfect viewing angles for you know anybody there to watch uh, cinema. And so that became, you know, the um,
0: the main venue over time. Um, it's evolved. I want to go back just a little bit to your Jewish identity. And now, is it, were both of your parents Jewish, just your mother? Well, my father was not Jewish. Uh, that's the name Abby. Uh, he actually was of Swiss
1: origin, but grew up in uh, Pennsylvania, uh, near Pittsburgh. Uh, his family were um, lumberjacks. Oh, okay. And my mother's family uh, were Jewish immigrants from Russia and Poland. Her, her father was Russian. Uh, her mother, my grandmother... Maternal grandmother was Polish. They had immigrated through Ellis Island, like so many others, um, at the turn of the century. Um, and so, my mother was born in Pass- Passaic, New, uh, New Jersey. Um, they worked. Uh, her parents worked in the textile industry, and. Um, from a very early age, you know, I, I was exposed to Jewish culture through primarily through my mother's family, uh, with holidays. And, and when we came to Las Vegas, the first thing she did was enroll me in the Hebrew Day School, which was called, um, I it was called Shalom Day School, at uh, the Jewish Temple. What, the original location, which was on Oki Boulevard, that building is still there. Um, my mother actually, Rita Abbey, was commissioned to do a large installation in the sanctuary there um, to uh, surround the Torah scrolls uh, in, the, uh, in the main sanctuary. And I had my bar mitzvah there in front of her artwork um, and had a very in- early introduction. We also moved to, uh, we were, were thinking about moving to Israel in the late 60s and early 70s. She had an opportunity to do that. She and my father had gotten divorced at that time. So she was a single parent. She had started teaching at the university um, when UNLV was about three or four buildings. um, Very, very small. But her reservations were primarily because this was during the Vietnam era. And my brother and I were, I guess, nine. I was nine, he was was six. She had two children, I have one sibling. And she was just very fearful of us, you know, having to um, to be enlisted into the military. Uh, so that was, I think, the primary reason we didn't um, make Aliyah to Israel. Which, of course, you know, um, as Jews, we had the opportunity to do. And if she had made that decision, my life would have been a completely different. I, it's hard to imagine, you know, what my trajectory would have would have become. But um, nonetheless, stayed here and, um, like a lot of Jews after my Bar Mitzvah, I kind of disengaged. You know, when I lived in New York and Los Angeles, I wasn't that involved. Although I did have a lot of relatives that I would sit, would spend the you know holidays with, uh, you know, Passover and what have you. Um, but it wasn't until I came back to Las Vegas. And then had this opportunity to work for the Jewish Federation that I sort of fully embraced, you know, uh, working for Jewish community. And I had actually incorporated the film festival
0: into uh, the work of the the Family services Agency during that time. So with your with your Jewish identity, um, how did that motivate your desire to to create a, a specifically Jewish film festival? You mentioned uh, your family was considering moving to Israel. I know that one of the things, um, at least in your mission statement, that you aim at with the film festival is to um, foster solidarity with Israel. So can you talk a little bit about that, your identity and how it relates to the film festival itself? Well,
1: one of the most challenging aspects of Jewish culture or you know, the Jewish people is the... Um, Assimilation that's happening over generations, where more and more younger people feel less and less compelled to embrace their Jewish identity and to continue to practice their faith, and this is, you know, reflected statistically, and has become um, a question of how we can counter that. You know, how can we encourage people to embrace their faith and and raise their their heritage. And from my experience, the cinema, you know, the the films that focus on Jewish ideas and Jewish life have a a much more effective means of reaching out in a very non-threatening way to help people uh, be motivated to discover and explore more about their, you know, their origins and who they are as Jews. Jewish cinema also has the added um, advantage of being um, interesting and engaging for non-Jewish audiences. So we've got kind of a dilemma in our society, and I know this from doing a lot of what was called, what's called multicultural programming. Uh, which, for example, when I worked at the Seminole Library, you know, was part of our mission, you know, to be open and inclusive and to invite various ethnic groups. And invariably, uh, whenever we would do uh, an Indian, East Indian dance concert, 90% of the audience would be East Indians. Or Mm -hmm. if we would do, um, you know, a Hispanic festival of some kind, same story. I mean, there would be some overage of, you know, non-Hispanic or, you know, uh, non whoever that particular ethnic group was that was making the presentation participating, but it was always be a small minority. So the challenge is how do you maintain your heritage yet still integrate into the mainstream society? And I think that's a bigger issue that you know people are grappling with constantly. Um, so in the Jewish context, you know, it, it, it just made a lot of sense to me that this would be helpful in, in in helping Jewish continuity and also be a great mechanism to promote Jewish values and education to a large, the larger community as well.
0: I wanted to, to also talk with you about the, uh, the format and the development of the film festival, because um, I've been attending since 2015. And um, by that time you had expanded beyond the Adelson school. You've had, you have showings at, various screenings at various venues um how did that develop the core desires to make the festival as accessible as possible
1: to the greatest number of people across you know age groups and and uh any distinguishing characteristics of, you know of, of people that might be interested in attending. It should be open, and you know, as, as the last few years, it's actually been free as well, which is kind of kind of unique. Um, so I, I realized because of the geographic uh, dynamics and the polarization in Las Vegas between the Northwest and Henderson, and my audience, most Jewish film, all Jewish film festival audiences, tend to skew older. Uh, it's usually a you know a more senior demographic that participates, and part of the reason for this is that you know they are you know well um, they have in depth experience in embracing their culture you know because they're from an older generation and it's it's more important to them and they and they see the Jewish Film Festival as just yet another tradition you know that where they can come together as a community. T- targeting younger audiences is much more of a challenge. Um, once in Toronto, which is one of the larger Jewish film festivals in the world, I was talking to the program director and asking him how they um, meet that, you know, that difficulty of trying to engage younger audiences. And they, he said that they had kind of an epiphany because they realized um, that their numbers of attendance were pretty stable, you know, they, because the assumption is if you're only having an older audience as they, you know, move on and die off and, and get older and, you know, are no longer living, your audience is going to constrict and get smaller. But he said, it always, it always stayed, the level has pretty much stayed the same. And, and that was my experience also. And that's because when people are in their 50s or 60s, you know, they're still engaged in their daily life or with their families, they may or may not have time. Attend a Jewish film festival, but once they retire and they have more time, then you know they're more likely to come. So you keep refreshing that older demographic, and you can make an argument that it's okay. You know, I mean that that's the audience for it. You know, and it, I think I may mean, also say, um, as people get closer to meeting their maker, uh, the more they want to get to know them. There, there's that, there's that factor, but. So senior citizens in Green Valley had difficulty coming to the school, for example. So I had to do uh, alternative venues to make it as easy as possible for people to commute and to try to reach out
0: to a broader audience. Now, 2020 threw you and everyone for a loop uh, in terms of the dynamics of a film festival uh, that's citywide. How did you adapt? How did you adapt the film festival to meet the challenges of COVID-19? Well, we were very fortunate because you know film is a media that
1: translates to the digital realm um, quite easily and making the festival available online with the involvement of filmmakers or scholars or experts in the subject matter of any particular given film um, just let itself you know and and uh, we have been doing one a month since last march and I find that as well as maintaining a pretty reasonably good uh, attendance, um, we're actually reaching a more diverse audience. And by putting more emphasis and in, in having a, um, a, a, an opportunity for people to view the question and answer period uh, related to the film, Um, at their leisure, you know, over an extended period of time, um, because that's also the advantage of, you know, the digital um, presentation, they have a window of, you know, a week or, or longer, depending on, you know, what the restrictions of the film distribution are. Um, they have more freedom to pick and choose when they want to watch. And that has gotten that has created more interest and participation in the dialogue, the discussion of the film, which I'm very happy about. And I'm also able to bring filmmakers from far away through Zoom that otherwise would have had to travel and you know, be housed. and you know, it's a, logistically much easier that way as well. The trade-off, the trade-off of course is you're losing you know the live dynamic um, which is an important aspect of it but um, until it's safe especially for my you know older audiences to come together as you know in a public setting um, probably I think by next January which is the traditional month that we hold the festival, with god's uh, blessing everything will settle down and become you know much more like it was and we'll be able to reconvene in you know the live festival format
0: in that vein what are your plans for the future of the film festival do you have any uh, new innovations or anything up your sleeve that you're you're looking forward to once we can reconvene well again you know a real primary focus of what
1: i'm trying to achieve is to reach out to non-jewish audiences for example even recently, as, as recently as a, a year or two ago, I would I would be on, you know, live local talk shows promoting the festival. And the host would ask me, is um, you know, people? And, you know, I would explain that, um, you know, when they have a women's film festival, it's not just for women. And a short film festival in Boulder City is... Definitely not just for short people. So yes, you know, this is for all. And and I think it's really important, you know, because of the rise in anti-Semitism, misconceptions about who Jews are, the Jewish people, um, that and how many more Holocaust films does a Jewish audience really need to, you know, absorb uh, you know, to to get the message. You know, those films really are intended for a broader audience. So the last live event we had in January of 2020 um, for the first time ever, and probably the first time in the history of Jewish film festivals worldwide, uh, we actually had more non-Jews than Jews. And I'm extremely proud of that. And I think, um, you know, so that's one of the big goals. I will continue doing the monthly series um, and maybe, shrink the live event in January, but, you know, there will definitely be, you know, both. That's my, that's my plans for the immediate future.
0: Well, Josh, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, I want to thank you for, for all you do in the Las Vegas Jewish community and the artistic community. Where can people go if they want more information about the film festival and how they can participate in the future? Well, we've got uh, an ongoing program this
1: month, uh, which is about um, Jewish poets, including Louise Glick, who just won the Nobel prize for literature. So I encourage people to check that one out. Upcoming in May, there's a brand new documentary about Menachem Begin, Israeli prime minister uh, that we're getting a Nevada premiere of. Uh, And both those projects and all future ones can be found on the Jewish Film Festival website. The easiest way to do that is just Google Las Vegas Jewish Film Festival. The URL is LVJFF org, Las Vegas, LV for Las Vegas, JFF for Jewish Film Festival, And Ty, before we go, I have to thank you personally for all your engagement with the Film Festival uh, as a volunteer, as a supporter, as a friend, as a donor, um, and especially for a personal note you hand wrote to me, uh, thanking me for the work that I do. I have to tell you that in 20 years, um, that's the only handwritten personal note I've ever received. So it's very much appreciated.
0: Well, it's a privilege to, to be a part in, in some small way. And uh, again, thank you so much for what you do, Josh. And uh, look forward to another year of the festival uh, here pretty soon. Okay, take care. Thank you. You've been listening to The Gesher Podcast, the place where the evangelical and Jewish communities come together for conversations about the things that matter. I'm your host, Ty Perry. For more information about me, you can visit ty-perry.com. For further information about the Friends of Israel Gospel Ministry, visit foi.org. To ensure that you hear future episodes of the Gesher podcast, subscribe to it on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, or another of your favorite podcast platforms. Until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Shalom.